0: You're listening to season two of NFT 365, talking crypto, blockchain, web three, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365. Powered by the ADHD coin, here's your host and digital futurist, Brian Fanzo.
1: Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365, and we are not only off and running in beautiful season two of the podcast, but we are also entering a new year, which maybe might mean that there is a new bull run in the future um i think many of us could just like let's just hope that maybe uh 2023 has uh something good to offer us um i know if we would have rewinded a year ago i don't think i would have you would have given me 10 guesses to how i said the end uh, of 2022 would have gone uh for the nft world i don't think i would have got any of the uh, of them correct even with 10 guesses as it's been a, uh, a a wild roller coaster in not only uh the market as a whole but some of the you know the pluses and the minuses, and you know, just in the last seven days, we had a, we had Trump NFTs, we had Scottie Pippen drop NFTs uh, on the day we're recording this, um, and then also at the same time we have SPF and uh, the world uh, of crypto that often impacts you know a little bit of everything that we're doing. Uh, but for this episode, excited to bring in uh, not only a. A fellow podcaster, uh, a fellow content creator, but someone um, that's been, uh, you know, I like to say, you know, we're the kind of the unsung heroes of a lot of uh, Web3, especially early adoption, is that. You know, for a lot of people, how do why do they stay involved um, in a space that is maybe chaotic or maybe full of change, uh, maybe very uh, disruptive? Probably most of your friends and family um, are confused by what the hell it is many of you are doing um, in Web3 and NFTs. And I like to say, like us content creators are the ones that hopefully uh, you know keep you coming back, keep you excited, uh, keep you motivated, and also just kind of provide fresh perspectives and hopefully you know make you feel a little bit less alone. And so. So excited to have Jenny from the blockchain here as today's guest. Uh, I was on uh, the podcast uh, this weekend uh, and got a lot of people, a lot of our listeners reaching out and saying, oh my goodness, two of my favorite podcasts. So excited, Jenny, to have you on here. Uh, Welcome to NFT 365. Excited to have you here.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me on. and I I was super excited to bring you on our show, uh, NFT Catcher Pod. And yeah, a lot of our listeners were, were pumped that, you know, we finally collabed on an episode together. So that was a lot of fun. Um, so I always
1: gotta. I, oh, go ahead. No, no, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I love that piece of it. Didn't mean to jump in on you. But you know, I, I've done a little research on your background, uh, you know, watched a couple interviews that you've given recently. Um, but for our audience that isn't as familiar um, with your background, talk to me a little bit about pre-Web3 um, and then kind of your entry point into Web3 and we'll kind of jump from there.
0: Web three. All right, so I don't know how far back to take it, but uh, I try to be quick. Um, basically, graduated college, um, got a bachelor's degree in psychology. Didn't really know what to do after that. Was kind of stuck. Like, uh, do I go into the psychology field? Do I do something else? Um, ended up starting a glitter business with my twin sister Steph. Um, ran that for a couple years, then. Um, basically decided to, to get more serious with the business and started going to a bunch of entrepreneur events, which I know you're from like the entrepreneur world and you're like a speaker and everything. So when I heard that, I was like, Oh my God, like I used to go to a ton of events and, um, and then just really fell in love with like the scene of events and like entrepreneur events and the energy and everything. And, um, then started, oh, uh, let's see, basically ran the social for this, like, US tour of events and then ended up like speaking at them. Um, and uh, then after that kind of ended, um, yeah, just uh, what did I do after that? I got into TikTok, I grew to almost like 700,000, or I think I was at 700,000 followers, I kind of forget, but made a living on TikTok, basically making like be- funny beauty videos, um, and I would just do a lot of outreach to, to like makeup brands and um, see if they wanted to sponsor videos and stuff. And then kind of got burnt out from from that. Wasn't as passionate. Just kind of quit cold turkey one day. Just stopped making videos. And then uh, discovered NBA Top Shot. Got super early with that. You know, one of the first couple thousand users. Um, then it started blowing up. Started making content for Top Shot um i after 2 weeks became like the most subscribed to top shot content creator which really wasn't hard at the time and next thing you know evaluate which uh time their name was evaluate market now we're evaluate.xyz um they reached out they're like hey do you want to work for us um full time and help us you know grow this and i'm like yeah and the rest is kind of history but yeah it's just a bunch of you know, content creating um, in my past. And now I have a podcast, the NFT Catcher podcast. We just reached 100 episodes, which is nothing Mm -hmm. on yours. But, uh, you know, um, we record like twice a week. So slowly but surely, we got there.
1: No, that's uh, that's Im- that's impressive. I mean, congrats uh, on the hundred uh, around that hundred episode. I mean, that I mean, I don't you know any podcast that you know we talked about a little bit on your show, right? The average podcast, mm-hmm. uh, you know, dies after seven episodes. Um, let's face it, uh, in Web three, in the especially the Web three NFT space, we've probably had you know forty different times where most people would give up uh, or had reasons to give up or even even valid reasons, right? And there were some big podcasts um, that I know paused. Uh, Over the summer, I made some big announcements, um, you know, including some YouTube shows that were just like, you know, it it takes a lot to create in this space. Um, I I love the, the background there. I, you know, it's funny, the a lot of people we've interviewed in this space. Um, there's a psychology component. Uh, there's like a poker component, right? And there's like, like, and there's and then there's like kind of like that finance component for a, a lot of them uh, as well. And um, you know, I fall into the the poker side. Uh, I did that for a good while uh, of my career in between cybersecurity and uh, kind of the digital marketing world. But you mentioned like you know being a content creator, being burnt out. Um, you know, kind of you know kind of dabbling in you know from psychology to fashion um, to top shots. I'm curious. You know, I top shot was my uh first aha as well um i i was a little bit underwhelmed weirdly enough in the in the top shot piece because i'm i i have card, i'm a i've been a card collector but i stopped that like i mean when i was in college I, I probably stopped buying uh cards but i still hold you know i have an entire storage unit that has a bunch of baseball cards football cards basketball cards in it my daughters you know always laugh because they've never really understood what the hell those were for And so for me, Top Shot was like, you know, if it was, you know, I I jokingly say like if Top Shot was about the NFL or NHL, I I would have been in a lot of trouble because that's where most of my attention uh, lies is born and raised in Pittsburgh. So there's like the connection there in Pittsburgh. Growing up, we didn't have a uh, NBA team. So like NBA was a sport I loved, but it wasn't um, kind of that connection. What about Top Shot kind of drew you in? What about like that, either that community, what was your kind of original entry point in the Top Shots?
0: So I also was a card collector. Um, I lived with uh, my aunt and uncle for a bit, and my uncle was super into collecting. and He had a bunch of cards, different sports, varying like football, basketball, had some hockey, had some baseball, and so he kind of got me and my sister into collecting cards. And I mean, I still have my card collection. It's not much, but um, yes, I used to be into collecting physical cards, and so. Um, I got into crypto in, in 2017 and, you know, learned a bunch about the tech and was super excited about it. Uh, unfortunately, about bought the top at the time and then just watched everything go down. So that wasn't that exciting. But, you know, um, when things started picking up again, that was exciting. But yeah, so 2020, October 2020, um, basically, my sister remembered that she had crypto kitties. And um, back in nice. 2017, yeah, she like made a wallet and everything. And Basically, she she uh, lost her password and her C phrase, so she couldn't get back in. So she was on the Dapper website, just kind of like trying to figure out if there's anything she could do. And she stumbled upon, oh, we are starting our um, open beta of NBA Top Shot. And so we were uh, one of the first people when they they opened the beta up um, to join. And it just made a lot of sense to me because I was already you know, into collecting physical cards. And so I was like... This is like, you know, collecting digital cards on the blockchain. Like, this is great. And, you know, I, I just thought it was super cool. And I quickly fell in love and became obsessed. And I was, like, going crazy buying packs. And I became just super passionate about it. And I was like, I need to share my passion. So I started making videos. Um, but, yeah, and I I mean, even now I have over, like, a 1,000 Topshop moments. Like, almost 500 of them are, like, the Series 1. And I'm, like, I'm just really into um, – Collecting them even now, even despite the bear market of Top Shot and everything that has happened, um, you know, I think it'll come in waves. It might take some time. But um, yeah, I do. I do like Top Shot and, and believe in it a lot. So
1: Yeah. I love that. I I, I love, and and I'll tell you what, I I got to, it was actually my first event um, post COVID. Um, I got to speak at an event actually here in the DC area. um, And it was uh, a panel, and it was the weirdest panel. I could probably show (laughs) pictures and videos because we had these giant um, like glass uh, partitions in between us because it was still kind of like post COVID. And like, for whatever reason, like that's what we had. And I was, I was on two panels, I was moderating a panel, and I gave a keynote at this event. But one of my panels was actually with one of the founders uh, from NBA um, that kind of came up with the original idea of Topshot. And I remember the conversation I was having with him uh, was mostly around blockchain and creator coins, because the creator coin space is kind of one of the places that I kind of came into, and I launched my own coin at the time. And I remember... like hearing his view and like, you know, uh, you know, a lot of it coming out of the bubble for NBA and a lot of like, just the idea of like, how do we reimagine some of the interaction with fans? And I, I remember like, that's when I realized like my thought, my view of top shots was wrong was like, Oh, wait a second. Like I was trying to compare it to a, a web two you know, thing or web two instance. And I think for a lot of people that are out there, Anytime we're trying to like kind of reimagine something, I think one of our biggest mistakes is we drag our like our our old school thinking into the new world without like allowing ourselves to kind of reimagine um, what's possible. And I think Top Shot for me, kind of going back into it a second time was a kind of a big aha. I'm curious, you know, you mentioned you kind of got into the con- the creating side of it. You had already created a bunch in the in the fashion space on you know sp- growing a massive following on TikTok, but you also mentioned the burnout now. I I've Mm -hmm. like you have gone like through the all in on content, created a whole bunch of it, even long before web three. And then kind of went through a a burnout phase. Live video was kind of my thing for a a long while. Um, And then I kind of was like, I can't, I can't stand this. I don't even want to do it anymore. But there is something beautiful about like a new space kind of creating with like, almost like you get a do over, but you get to learn from all of that. How was your initial Mm -hmm. kind of like content creation? Because I believe, if I did my research correct, you put your face on camera uh, initially, right? So let's face it, early 2021, there wasn't many of us that were putting our face um, on camera talking about NFTs. How did that like, you know, did it re, was there like a, okay, how am I going to avoid the burnout or like, hey, the burnout was the other way of creating it. This is a new space. Talk to me a little bit about your like kind of content creation mindset as you kind of jump back into creating content around, especially around NFTs in that time.
0: Yeah, I think starting fresh. And first of all, I was creating on a new medium. So it was like, it wasn't TikTok, it was YouTube. And um, you know, the, I had to kind of learn, I'd never done YouTube before. So it was just kind of fun because it was a new challenge. And also the content was different. So uh, one thing I kind of took from TikTok was, well, first of all, I've always recorded and edited everything on my phone to date. I've never done anything on my computer. So I already had the skill of like, you know, knowing how to record, I have my ring light, like, and, um, but I remember the first video I posted cause I was used to TikTok and TikTok is very short form content. That's fast. And you have right. to be quick with things. And, you know, a lot of little, like a 15 second clip could have like 10 different pieces in it. So I, the first one I put out, I remember, um, it was like a weekly update video of like, here's what happened in the week in NBA top shot. And I would kind of highlight this new thing came out the, you know, the, the founder tweeted this, like just kind of bite size news and like floor prices and stuff. And, uh, I went so fast because I was used to TikTok. So it was like, not only did I talk fast, but I also edited it where there was no like space in between. Everything was like freaking like just in your face, like, Whoa, okay. Like this girl is just going crazy. And I have some people being like, okay, it's really fast, but I kind of like it, but also it's, maybe you should slow it down, but also, I don't know, it was entertaining, and they, like, didn't know what, how to feel about it, because it was, like, it was so different, and also, I think a lot of the content creators at the time, they were more, like, one and done, like, one take, not super, like, highly edited and stuff, so it was just different, but I think that also attracted a lot of people, because I put a lot of time into it, and I'm, like, I'm gonna put time into this, I'm gonna make it really good, I'm gonna be the best, you know, if I'm gonna do this, like I want it to, I want to hit it out of the park, you know? So, um, yeah, it was fun. Like just feeling like, um, I guess like dominating a new niche and like coming in and being like, let me, you know, see what I can do here and just see where this goes. Cause I was actually kind of jobless at the time. Cause I quit TikTok and I didn't have anything else lined up and I didn't exactly save any money. So I was like having to pay rent on my credit card and like I was like, stressing out, but I'm like, okay, let me just at least do something that brings me joy. And then I started making the videos and they ended up leading to an opportunity. Um, But, you know, it was like, yeah, and and suddenly I didn't feel that burnout for content creation anymore. I think it was just, you know, doing the same thing over and over again. I've always been a, a content creator at heart. And, you know, sometimes it just takes switching up the content or just completely starting fresh and doing something new. To kind of make you feel like you're ready to go again, and you you want to start a new challenge for yourself.
1: I love that answer, and you actually answered partially what I was going to go with next. But I'm going to kind of double down on it. I we did an episode last season with Shira Lazar. Shira and I have been really close friends since 2014. Uh, we actually been on you know we we co-hosted a couple of IBM a South by Southwest events uh, way back then, and our whole episode was pretty much about. Uh, content creator monetization and where that uh, that whole realm and world uh, goes. But I think for a lot of people, you know, I know, I know a lot of our listeners, a lot of our listeners are, 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 I mean, you know, kudos to the listeners, you know, anyone listeners to any of the, both of our podcasts at the moment, right? That if you're still here listening, right, you still have a, a passion. But for I know a lot of people, they're trying to figure out like, what is my place in Web3? Like, where do I fit? And I think for, for some of us that have been content creators prior to Web3, it was more about like what angle am I going to take and then what am I going to leverage from before? And there's like something really fun about a brand new landscape. But uh, the I think a mistake a lot of people make, and I, and I think in the Shira episode, we we probably didn't cover this enough, And which is why I think where you mentioned I think was so perfect. You mentioned about, hey, I like really love this. I'm passionate in it. I also have like my own way of doing things. I'm curious if someone you know is listening to this now and they're like, man, I, I haven't, I haven't pressed the button. I haven't gone and, and, and created content, but I, I have a, like a passion. I have something to say. What would be your advice for those that are kind of like at that spot right now that kind of where you kind of just said, Hey, you know what? I'm going to create this content and put it out with web three. Cause you didn't do it with a j- idea of getting a job or monet- monetizing. Cause Let's face it, you know TikTok. TikTok and seven hundred thousand followers, yes, that can be monetized. But let's also face it, the monetization is extremely hard for any content creator. Anyone that doesn't understand that, like I tip my hat to everyone. I, you know, a lot of my career, I've been monetizing my content, and it's a it's a rat race. Like no one understands it <laughs> until you're in it. But I'm curious, like you, you tapped in your passion, something you were you you liked. It was it was a new space. What would you tell those you know those that are kind of thinking about you know? Uh, creating content in this space. What would you kind of? What advice would you give to them?
0: That's a great question. And and first of all, I mean, yeah, when I was first learning about crypto, I was I was not trying to create content at all. I was listening to a ton of podcasts. I was learning, and I think a lot of people are doing that too. And I think that's great. Like you know, it's great to to just be kind of a listener or an observer and kind of figure out what's happening. But yeah, once you decide you want to start making content and you have value to, to provide. And, you know, you want to bring something to the table. Um, yeah, I would say, uh, what I like to do when, when doing something new, um, is like thinking about what works, like seeing what other people are doing and, and seeing what works and then adding my own twist of what's different. Um, and so, yeah, one of the more recent things I was doing was like, I was doing like NFT update videos on Twitter, like short form, like one minute. And uh, those did really well. I kind of recently stopped because it's still the holidays. And I'm like, ah, I can't really be doing these right now. But, um, but I was like noticing that people really liked, you know, listening to podcasts or, you know, kind of hearing about what's happening in the space. Like there's a lot of Twitter spaces happening, um, but no one's really doing videos. And I was like, this is a good opportunity. So I think it's just thinking about what you want to do and then seeing where there's opportunities to do something new and carve a new path that nobody's really doing. Or maybe there's only a couple of people doing it, but you feel like you can do it a lot better. Um, and also like just, yeah, just putting in the putting in the work and, and trying it out. And, you know, even if in the beginning, you have to kind of pretend that people are going to watch even if nobody does. And you have to like keep going even if you're like, Oh man, only like one person commented. Like you can't get discouraged. You just have to know that through time and consistency and like just making little improvements after every time people will watch, like build and they will come, you know? So like just keep doing it. And people will eventually notice and be like, holy shit, this person's been doing this for this long and look at this and, you know, they'll, they'll come to you, but it will take some time. It's not just going to be, you know, it's not instant gratification always where it's like, Oh, put something out. And you expect a bunch of people to, you know, to appreciate it and value it. It might take a little time, but yeah, just be willing to be patient and consistent.
1: So I'm curious, you know, with that in mind, um, you mentioned Evaluate, Uh, how did that kind of initial like discussion, did they reach out to you, you reached out to them, and then how have you kind of managed kind of playing, you know, kind of both worlds, right? You're content creator, NFT enthusiast, and then also working for a a Web3 brand. Talk to me a little bit about that relationship and how that's kind of been since you kind of started there.
0: Yeah, so uh, they reached out to me because I was using their uh, site in my videos, and I would be like... You know, and here you can see the chart of this, and and so they were like, "Oh, we love your videos, and you know, we're wondering if you can, if you want to work with us full time and help run the social side of things." And so, yeah, I mean, I was like I said, I did not have a job at the time, so I was like, "Yes, definitely," and I also loved the tool; I was already using it, so it was just a great fit. And um, at the time, Evaluate um, was really just a tool for basically. Checking on your account value and analyzing like moments and seeing sales history and all that stuff, charts, all related to NBA Topshop, which is what I was passionate about. So it just made nice. sense. Yeah. And I've had, you know, since my background was in social media, it just made sense. And then, you know, later got promoted to head of marketing, which is what I'm at, what I am now. Um, but it was just, and and ever since the beginning, too, I was like, you know, I've always had. Uh, kind of like a side hustle, like another thing that I've done in addition to my my full time thing. And can I still make these videos on YouTube and you know have this creative freedom to do my own thing in addition to to you know helping you guys? And they were like, yeah, like you know you can you can definitely have that freedom. And they've been very good about you know just being cool with me going to events and having my own podcast. And you know I obviously had them on the show and everything. And you know it ties in, but. But yeah, um, they're super cool. And yeah, I, I it's a lot of fun working at value 2 and working for like a Web3 company. It's like, it's, it's a lot different. And it's also very like startup vibes, which I love because nice. I feel like I have more power, more of a say in things. And it's just a lot more fun. Um, I mean, I've never really worked like a corporate job because I've been like, I was serving a lot of my time when I wasn't being a content creator. So I'm like used to that, but, um, but yeah, yeah. I'm, cu- cool.
1: I'm curious, you know, one of the things I think it's real that's under, you know, under, under talked about, but really I think it's something that we as content creators have to kind of be open about is like the, you know, there is a juggle right now because you have You know, like the things that you love, you have a Web3 company that you're working with, you have a podcast that you're creating, you're also creating your own content under, you know, Jenny from the blockchain. How do you kind of approach or manage that? Because I think having the right brand to work with is already like a huge win, which I, you know, for any brand that's out there that's listening, Like hire or go to work with your number one fans, like people that already love you and like Mm -hmm. already are using your tool. Like it's a, it's such a no brainer for, for like, if you think about it, but it doesn't happen enough. Right. I think a lot of companies and tools, and I know some right now that have asked me for help for finding a new position, they hire a web two person that doesn't understand anything Mm -hmm. in web three. Yet I know they have a, a plethora of people here, but I'm curious, like, how do you juggle the because there's, there are some bad actors in our space that create content that is either pumping their ba- own bags or is some backroom deal that they got that, that is the only reason they're talking about the project. Right. And I think, you know, I think those days are, are those people, their times are numbered, right. They're, they're getting, you know, probably more exposed, but it doesn't mean that some people might not accuse us or assume that we're only talking about something because of some relationship. How do you kind of handle that juggle? Cause it's, it's something that it weighs on me on a regular basis. And I know it. it it's something that probably we don't talk about enough.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, for me, I think so the freedom of having your own podcast, your own show is like you truly get to decide what you want to talk about and what you want your show to be about. And, you know, you don't really have to like you can set your own rules and your own, you know, guide for how you want to operate it. Um for a long time I didn't want to do sponsors. I wanted just, you know, I just wanted to feel like I was having complete control of my podcast and everything that was talked about and you know, I don't know, I didn't want to monetize at first. I was very stubborn. I also didn't want guests for for like several months. So I was me like either, no guests. Either. Yeah. That was the same as right like, there. We go. <laughs> right. So I was like no, I just wanted to be, you know, me and my co-host Michael and like that's it. Um and then you know, you start you so you get used to a certain way of doing something. And then, you know, you decide, okay, let me build on that. Let me do more. Um, And I also think, you know, with, with juggling everything too, like, okay, you know, full-time web three job podcast, you know, making content, going to events, all this stuff, vlogging. um, It's like, I think, um, I remember this one phrase. I always think about this. It's better to have a lot on your plate than nothing on your plate at all. And so, you know, it's, to me, um, I think once you kind of start doing something, you get into a groove of it and you get good at it. And and then once you're comfortable, you can add more. Like you can, you know, and then, oh, once you add that other thing and then you're comfortable with it, you can add more and you just keep adding more until you're like, okay, this is probably overwhelming and probably enough, no more adding things. And then things end up calming down and, you know, whatever. But, um, but yeah, how you do anything is how you do everything. So, you know, I like this-
1: that. Yeah. I like that a lot. And I'm very blessed. Like, uh, you met, uh, Duffy cat Allison, uh, beforehand, you know, me having a team that kind of helps me and say, Hey, Brian, don't add that thing to your plate. Like, what are you dropping off? Right. Like <laughs> I, cause I'm, I've been very bad where I've not only run right. myself ragged. Right. But, yeah. uh, anyway, you know, and even for you know our first season, we are, you know, of course doing daily, but in our first 60 episodes, 60 days, uh, only three of them were interview shows. Right. And I, and I think people don't recognize that back then because, like I like you, I was kind of like, well, I don't want to do I was like, I don't want to deal other people's calendars. B, I was like, I don't even know who to trust right now in this space. Mm-hmm. And those that I trust were projects and people that I already was, you know, financially uh kind of you know investing in. So then I was like, well, how do I provide this in like a, a transparent way where it doesn't just feel like a, a giant shill? Right. So it was like a it was a, a balance there. Um through the you know bear market, right? Like I think any not anyone, but for many of us, we if we were lucky enough to start creating in the in the bull run, it it, uh, it gave us some like momentum. It gave us a little bit of like, man, these are the good old days, right? And I feel for those that started creating, let's just say March till now, right? Because there are a lot of, you know, it's, it's tough. Like, and I will, you know, I've said this openly, my, our download numbers had, had gone down month over month for, for many months. Cause we were, we were riding the other high. Like we hit, we hit a million downloads so quickly that I was like, this podcast is insane. Like the greatest thing I've ever done. And then all of a sudden from like 1 million to one and a half million was a lot longer of a time period because all of a sudden, like who wants to, you know, listen or learn about this when either you've lost your bag, you've been rugged. It was, it's a very interesting spot. Mm -hmm. I'm curious what keeps you motivated. Do you have like a, like, you know, something that kind of keeps you on track or keeps you thinking about like, you know, Hey, these are, this is why I'm doing it. What is your kind of like secret to keep you, you know, not only motivated content creator, but motivated to still kind of believe in, in web three as a whole. Ooh,
0: that's a good one. Um, you know what, first of all, shout out to my calendar, uh, That honestly keeps me on track if, you know, every, every week I set my calendar for the week I have. And I think honestly, it's people that are relying on you. Like, it's like, you know, there's people that listen to the show, you know, that there's, you know, I have my co-host, my producer, you know, they're relying on me to show up, you know, twice a week and put in the work. And it's just, I think I don't want to let people down. Like, that's like a thing, you know, I I don't want to disappoint people. Um, yeah, sometimes I don't want to record a podcast, sometimes I don't want to work, sometimes I don't want to do things, but oh, and it's always like whenever I go to events that first day of vlogging, I'm always like, I don't want to (laughs) vlog. And then, you know, after after that, it's like I just I just have to do it. Sometimes you have to force yourself to do things that you don't want to. It's not always gonna be, you know, you're not always gonna be motivated. Sometimes you just need to push through, but um. Yeah, lean into the times when you are inspired and motivated. And then I try to just, you know, as far as like, honestly, like the guests and things like that for the podcast, I guess it is biased. Like you can't really control that. Yeah, you're not going to it's not going to be like completely decentralized where you feel like, oh, everyone has their fair say and can come on the show and talk about stuff. You know, it is like you're vetting people. People are relying on you to bring people on that, you know, and trust and, you know, So um, to your other point that you were talking about earlier, but anyway, yeah, honestly, what keeps me motivated is like people encouraging me and making me feel like they value what I'm doing. That's a huge thing. And then, you know, not wanting to like disappoint those people, I guess. Um, I mean, that's
1: I love that because I I mean I think that is like one of the magics, right? Because like I think imposter syndrome is often there because we're thinking about ourselves, right? And and when we recognize that, like you know, no imposter ever thinks that they're an imposter, right? Like breaking news for anyone that's out there, right? Imposters don't give a crap about what other people think about them, right? They are imposters, right? They they're selling you unicorns, rainbows, and bullshit, right? Like that's literally what they've you know we're we're there for. But I think it's also one of those things like you know, putting, when you're putting yourself out there, not for yourself, when you're recognizing, you know, and that's when someone asked like, what kept me going 365 days, there got to a point where I knew people would change their daily schedule to listen to my damn podcast. And I was like, who am I that like, they changed their schedule for me. I better as as well, at least show up. Right. Like, and that, like, that was like a big, you know, aha, like kind of switch for me. Um, So I love that you kind of went down that way. I'm curious from a, you know, one of the things I love when we were, when I was on your podcast, you know, I think the beauty of this space um, and Shira and Manushka and I talk about this on our Alpha Monday show that we do. um, We all three on that show come from like the projects that we want to (laughs) mention. It's as if we are living in a different NFT world, right? Where I'm like, wait, that where that's the project you're paying attention to. Like I, I haven't even heard of it. Right. And I think there's like some of that, there's something beautiful about like, You know, you can get kind of obsessed or enthralled in one project that will expose you to some other projects. But in many cases, if someone didn't come in that same kind of pathway for them, they're going to look at things a little bit differently. So I'm curious, like, what is, how are you evaluating projects right now? Like as a whole, and maybe not even for your own bag, but even how you're thinking about talking about projects on the podcast or content you're creating, because for people that don't realize that, like as content creators, we have to think about all of that kind of encompassing, right? Because for me, that's a big concern of mine is that if I talk a little bit more about a project over another project, that project better at least stand the weight of what I'm talking about, right? And and we all probably have made mistakes. Someone can go back and listen to a couple episodes I had in, in January, a couple of projects that I loved in January they didn't make it through the bear market. Like they were done in June and and I didn't see that coming, but hey, that's kind of the life we live. How are you looking at projects now? Like the ones that you kind of love to talk about and then kind of like what are the things you're looking for for projects kind of in the new year kind of moving forward?
0: Yeah, so for me, I've always, I'm I'm definitely a, a like a big holder. Like I'm not much of a trader or a seller. So whenever I've talked about projects on the podcast, it's more of like, I, I really like this, but I'm not like saying that I think it's going to like be valuable. Like, in fact, it could probably go to zero. Like, I just, you know, this is just what I like. And um, but yeah, like Michael and I were very different. He's more like, oh, I think this whole 10x and like he's he has that trader mentality, whereas I have more of the holder and, you know, sometimes I'll buy something and he's like, oh, yeah, I think that'll that'll do well. That'll double. I'm like, honestly, I don't know. Maybe it won't. Like, I don't want to say that I think it would. But, you know, I just it's something that I'm interested in. And um, yeah, and it, it definitely is kind of awkward when it's like, you know, some of the previous maybe interviews where you've you've given smaller projects a chance and then they don't do well. And you're like, oh, man, like, you know, um, hopefully people didn't buy it and then feel bad. Uh, which is why it's always like, you kind of, I don't know, for me, it's like the mentality of buy what you love and, you know, don't expect it to appreciate in value. Um, but yeah, it is hard. Um, and then as far as like, what do we talk about on the pod, like how to choose what projects to talk about? Honestly, we, we do try to kind of focus on like the popular ones and, and kind of like, okay, what is getting a lot of attention and just kind of mentioning, Oh, here are the hot, here are the big things that are happening. Like, here's what, you know, some of the big projects are doing right now. Um, but yeah, it is, it is hard to kind of keep up with, with too many projects though. Michael's kind of the one in charge of the topics. I'm more like the interviews when we do the interviews and stuff, but, um, yeah, it's it. But the good thing is there's no shortage of, of news to come out with every week. Like there's there's always stuff happening. And, you know, that's that's also great for content creation. It's like there's always stuff happening in the space to talk about.
1: Yeah, I love that. It's like one of the questions I get all the time that I always makes I always laugh because they're like, well, how do you come up with something to talk about? I'm like. Have you been in Web3? I mean, you and I talked about on your pod Sunday night. So we're recording this on a Tuesday for those that are playing at home. I don't know who's playing at home or cares to play at home. Um, But like Sunday night, we were talking about the Trump NFTs and like the ridiculous how they climbed so quickly. And it was 45,000 of them. Well, since Sunday night to our Tuesday recording, the price has retracted 86%. Now, for anyone that's been playing in this market it's been every NFT. Like there has not been an NFT that I can remember as of recently, let's just say the last four months, that hasn't, you know, even the ones that like rose, that like the fall is gonna happen. And it used to be the fall like after art reveal and like a lot of things were predictable. I think now it's a little bit even less predictable about when the fall is gonna happen because I would have thought the Trump NFTs, when they hit like point four and they retracted a little bit, I was like, okay, that was their high. And then within 24 hours of that they went all the way up to 0. 0.75 and i was like holy hell and i got a message actually after the episode that we did together that someone messaged me and he was like brian i just spent 14 grand on trump nfts and i was like whole like I, I like i mean it was like it blew my mind and like granted most of it was you know that he minted them um and i you will know, leave that part out of the equation but like even in the two days since you and i had that great conversation there's been an 80 cent 80 retrace now that's a whole topic for content because like, why, like, what is the reasoning? What is, how, what is the percentage of the projects that are doing that? There's so many fun kind of components that we can kind of play into that. And so I think that's such an you know important thing for people that are out there is like, once you start getting in and you start, you know, when you know you have to record and you're playing in the space, the, the topics are there. Like I, I don't, that's never been a, a shortcoming of mine. I don't even have to worry about that but I will, I do have to to ask the question. Now I'm very, you know, I am a girl dad. I have three daughters. I am very bullish on many female led, uh, projects, female led, uh, female PFPs. Um, we have, you know, some great new co-hosts coming on our podcast now for season two. Um, and I will say like one of the things I took pride in was that, you know, we interviewed more females on the podcast in season one than I did males. And, and part of that was a hundred percent uh, an effort right because i believed in that that conversation but as a female content creator in the space as a female in the space as a leader in top shots like og right like if we there's like layers of og and i look at anyone that even like realized that top shot was there in 2020 like that is you know og in my mind You give us a little perspective. How has it been for you as a female content creator, as a female in the space? Because I'm very blessed. I know that we have a very large female audience uh, of the podcast, but I also know a lot of them are holding. Maybe one or two or three NFTs based on you know some surveys and stuff that we did, and I think for me it's easy for me to talk about advocacy and allyship and and doing what I can, but I think it's more important to hear from like those that are in the space that are kind of you know we had board Becky on the show was I think the second guest we ever had, and I told her I want to bring her back now she's post child has a whole new whole new uh, you know realm uh, on that side, but. Talk to me about your experience, you know, as a female content creator and a female in this kind of uh web three arena.
0: Yeah. First of all, major props to you for like consciously deciding to have, you know, more females than males or like, you know, at least kind of trying to keep it even. Um, I do that on my podcast as well. I like to have, I like it to be equal. So I like to do 50 50 where it's like um, all of our interviews. We make sure we try to do every other week, but, sometimes it doesn't work out that way but you know we basically try to keep it equal um and sometimes it is like a little bit more difficult cuz there is a little bit more guys in the space and so you kind of got to really you know research and and seek out you know and and find the people you want to bring on but um i it's super rewarding to me just like internally to do that cuz i just feel like i'm helping push the narrative that there are a lot of women in this space, you know, doing amazing things. And I think that's very inspiring. Like um, the reason I even started making videos in, in, in the NFT space was because I used to watch uh, this lady, Crypto Casey on YouTube and she's super Mm -hmm. freaking smart. And I'm just like, she's amazing. And I was like watching her and I'm like, damn, like, this is great. Like, this is such like, Um, there aren't, there weren't many like female, um, like crypto content creators on YouTube that I was watching and they were kind of hard to seek out and find. And so just the fact that she was just doing that, like, was just very inspiring to me. And I'm like, if she can do it, I can do it. You know, and I think sometimes you need to see someone else that, you know, it's kind of like you, that you feel like, oh, right. Well, that person's doing it. I can easily do that too. Um, and so that sometimes that's all it takes is just kind of seeing someone that inspires you but um but yeah honestly it's been great I've i I've had nothing but great experiences in this space and guys have really been awesome in the space uh very supportive um and yeah people have been really kind um sometimes you hear horror stories and that can kind of deter you but I think for the most part people are mostly good and it's always like the extreme, you know, stories and stuff that stand out to people. And then they think that that happens to everyone and stuff like that. But um yeah, I mean, I, I would encourage, you know, any, any ladies listening to, you know, to, to if you're really wanting to get into NFTs, you know, you gotta kind of, you gotta like, just try them out and buy them. Cause even if you think you'll lose money on them, it's, it's a good experience, even just, buying and the process of buying and doing and like taking action. Um, Yeah, for me, when I was learning about crypto, I was learning for so long before I actually put money into crypto. Like, because I was scared. I was like, I feel like I need to know as much as I can before I put money in, which is fine. But also, you know, sometimes you you don't want to wait too long. Like you just what is it? Immersive learning where you learn by doing like, that's a huge thing. And um, I know that women can be sometimes a little more um, like risk averse than, than guys. So yeah, just tapping into it and, and just realizing that, you know, you can kind of do whatever you want in this space and you don't have to let things limit you. If you know, you don't feel super welcome, just make your own lane and, you know, go out there. I stuff. love
1: that. I love that. You know, and I, we preach here on the podcast, like, be a collector before you're a creator. And part of that is just like being a collector in this space opens so many like aha moments and things you start to just like recognize. And, you know, I think for everyone listening too, like, we need everyone and everyone's skill set, right? This space is not only so young, but it's even shrunk over the, you know, recent time. You know, no matter what your background is, no matter what your experience is, no matter what, even like, what are some of the things you want to become. I think there's a place for everybody right now and I don't want to be like the, you know, overly, you know, positive, optimistic guy here, but like we, I know that there's like, you know, some big gaps there. So I appreciate you, you know, kind of sharing, um, you know, that point of view, I am curious, you know, you mentioned, you know, kind of like that fear sometimes of of getting in, There's also like that fear uh, or the need for perfectionism, right? The idea that I either have to be the smartest person on the room, smartest person on the Twitter space, maybe the 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 one that you know is providing you know the content. And and you mentioned about being you know someone that's doing a lot of editing, right? And I I for one like live content has been my bread and butter, mainly just because like I do have a little bit of that. When as soon as I start editing. I go down and like start editing for eight hours on a video that didn't need eight hours of editing. Right. Because all of a sudden it like clicks a switch and I feel like I have to like get rid of every um, and I have to change every silent mark. And, but then like for me, I, I kind of found live to be my, my Avenue there. How do you kind of uh, address perfectionism maybe for yourself or like, how does that kind of manifest itself in what you're doing on a, on kind of a day-to-day basis?
0: That's a great question. And I also, I recently took a painting class and something that the teacher kept saying that stood out to me that I feel like answers your question and is like, what I do is first of all, she kept saying, cause it was like one of those step-by-step ones, you know, first, okay, let's all paint the moon together. Then we paint the mountain. And she's like, she kept saying, stop when you're 75% happy, stop when you're 75% happy Ooh, because, like because she's like, you know, you could keep painting over and trying to make it perfect. But it's never gonna. And she said, like, artists don't finish a painting; they just like basically like abandon it. Like they decide when they want to be done. But it's you're never fully finished. And so I'm like, yeah, I like that because I feel like I do that too when I'm editing. I'm like, okay, this isn't perfect, and I know I can make it a lot better, but it's good enough. And that to me is like, yeah, a lot of people will get caught up in, oh no, but it has to be really good, and um, just start out doing the bare minimum. Like, that's what I would say. Do the bare minimum. Once it's good enough, then that's good. That's good. It doesn't need to be perfect, but as long as it's good enough,
1: um, I love you're 75% happy. <laughs> I like that saying. And, um, you know, for our listeners, they're very familiar. Like my AI art journey uh, has all happened in the last six months, and I'm, I I never considered myself an artist, and I've now sold out multiple collections as an AI artist. And a lot of it is like I have to figure out how to be an artist. Like for me, like perfectionism wasn't really ever really a problem. Most mostly just because I've been very good at showing up as myself, and like I, I just that's been my natural in the art side, not the case. Like I, like once all of a sudden I started selling the AI art as NFTs, all of a sudden I went to this space where I was like, Why did I just spend 11 hours on that piece versus like before? And like when you said 75% done, like I have a new rule now when like, I know that when I've almost done a hundred, you kind of upscales or or changes to one piece, I put that piece aside. I either walk away from creating it completely or I put the piece aside and I'll revisit it. And, and the art piece that actually dropped uh, yesterday, um, the day, day before we're recording was actually one of the pieces that I finished quote unquote finished, I, I finished editing it because I was just like, I'm done with it for now Um, three weeks ago. And when I was looking to drop one and I was going through my catalog, I'm like, oh my gosh, that piece gives the, it like it shares the emotion and the story exactly the way that I wanted it. But I remember that day I was so frustrated with that piece that I was like, it's never gonna be, it's never gonna be complete. I'm never gonna put this one out to the world. And so I I love that you kind of connected that dots because it hit me in the in the feels there. I I like that. Stop when you're you're 75% happy. So, you know, I appreciate you jumping on the show. We've had you for about 45 minutes or so. Um, as we kind of wrap, I'm curious like what what are your like either predictions, things you're most excited about in 2023 as we kind of go, you know, go into this new year. Uh, I feel like 2021 was like a, a hot mess uh, of like, you know, you could sneeze out an NFT project and it sold out. We were all over uh, the map. 2022, I think many of us assumed it would have continued, but I think it was probably one of the, you know, the harder years for, for so many of us. What are your thoughts in 2023? And, uh you know, leave us with kind of your maybe predictions or, you know, future uh, outlook.
0: I think 2023... Um... We're probably still going to be in a bear market and I think, but you know, the beauty of the bear is that the pace is slower. So I felt very overwhelmed, very like stressed out and like things were hectic and chaotic for me during the bull market. Now I feel like relieved, honestly, because I'm like, you know, I can still continue to build, but with less pressure and things aren't happening as fast. And it's kind of nice working at, you know, not feeling like you have to like rush things. um, And, you know, you can kind of take your time a bit. I think the bear is a great time to build and, and, and kind of develop a skill or learn something new, or, you know, you kind of have more time during, during a bear market. So maybe instead of focusing on trading or um, buying NFTs, maybe you're figuring out some other way that you want to contribute to the space or what you want to learn, or maybe you want to work in web three and this is a great time to learn a new skill or, you know, to get a job and, and whatever. Um, Yeah. And, and one of the things at evaluate that we recently launched was like a live trading tool, which is basically like, I can trade my doodle for your board ape and we can just swap them easily. And I think, you know, a lot of people are kind of buying less Um, but you know, still wanting to have fun in the bear market doing things. And so, yeah, if you can figure out things to do that, maybe you're like, okay, I don't want to spend any more money that don't cost money. And, but just being here and being aware of what's going on and, you know, keeping your ears peeled and working on what, what you want to do in this space and and building, uh, whether that's putting out content or maybe you're actually learning a new skill, being a dev, I don't know. this is a great time. The bear market is awesome. I think, you know, besides besides the monetary aspect, it's a pretty great time to just relax and feel more sense of community because a lot of people have already left. So.
1: so true and so well said. And I will say, uh, Evaluate, I wasn't as familiar with it. Until uh, so, uh, you know, I was starting diving into your background and I love the trading component. Love it. There's a chat window there. Love, you know, I've gone through so many. I've been the third party in so many NFT trades. Like I haven't done a lot of trades myself individually, but because I'm docs, because I have a persona and I have a reputation, people assume like, OK, well, Brian, can you facilitate uh, this trade, which I, I have? And I, I kind of taken that. Um, as a role, but it's also like, for so many people, they don't have that. And I will tell you, it's a nerve-wracking, like, I mean, one that I did a couple of months back, I remember being like, I can't believe, like, those two NFTs just went into my wallet, right? And now I'm, you know, being the one that's kind of swapping these around. And I was like, I would prefer if it wasn't me. So I love that the, the tool is out there. We'll put a link uh, in the bio and in the show notes for those that check it out. I really like the whole setup of uh, Evaluate, so I definitely recommend uh, people check it out. You know, I'm always always looking for, you know, new tools for new ways for us to, you know, approach different things. So uh, we'll definitely have the audience uh, check that out as well. And so, yeah, Jenny, thanks so much for, for coming on the show for uh, joining us on uh, this conversation and we'll plug the podcast out there. I was on the, the Sunday episode. Um, yes, but, uh, listen to the Sunday one. Yes. And, and, and I tell you what, I, you know, in this space, you know, you know, uh, a lot of kudos go to, you know, podcasters, creators, uh, founders, founders, that are willing to collaborate right i i tip my hat like i, I you know I, I really love that we can come together recognize that this is not a, a zero-sum game and that together we can all rise right and and getting all those comments from people being like hey my two favorite podcasts came together like that's what this is all about right like that and i i love that you're on the show uh excited to put that out there uh to the world and you know for our listeners too you know one of the things that. You know, we talk a lot about in is like just go back and listen to me and the AI art journey. Go back and listen, you know, to what Jenny shared on her journey, you know, back into content creating and web three and top shots, right? Like there isn't like one way to do something. And for most of it, we're just kind of figuring it out as we go. And then we're leaning into what works. Like Mm -hmm. there's not like a magic recipe that we're like, Hey, we know if we do this because you know, if there was a magic recipe, let's face it, there's a lot of people in this space that would probably already have taken that up on that. So I hope this uh, episode inspires people to press the damn button. Of course, you need to do your own damn research as we like to preach here. But at the same time, the space is ripe right now for content creation, for diving in, for being involved in tools and companies and projects. So uh, until uh, next time, my friends, uh, make it a great day. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Thank you for listening to NFT 365. If you found this helpful, let us know by leaving a review,
0: like, subscribe, share, and do all of those good things. Join our email list to keep up with all things NFT 365. We appreciate you spending a little of your time with us. And as always, this show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research.